Hello and welcome to the Climate Change Weekly Podcast. It's the 11th of November 2019. This week, as the US formally gives notice of its withdrawal from the Paris Agreement, 11,000 scientists endorse a letter published on Bioscience entitled Scientists Warning of a Climate Emergency. Also this week, a study covered by the New York Times concludes that sea level rise could affect three times as many people by 2050 as previously thought. So what are President Trump's thoughts on the Paris Agreement? The Paris Accord would have been shutting down American producers with excessive regulatory restrictions like you would not believe, while allowing foreign producers to pollute with impunity. Needless to say, I don't agree with that assessment. The US will now be the only major country that's not a member of the Paris Accord. Now, this notice was timed to expire on the day after the US presidential election. So if Mr. Trump doesn't win, then the new president could rejoin the Paris Agreement within 30 days. Next, we turn to the world scientists' warning of climate emergency, which reads as follows. Scientists have a moral obligation to clearly warn humanity of any catastrophic threat and to tell it like it is. On the basis of this obligation and the graphical indicators presented below, we declare, with more than 11,000 scientist signatories from around the world, clearly and unequivocally, that planet Earth is facing a climate emergency. Exactly 40 years ago, scientists from 50 nations met at the first World Climate Conference in Geneva in 1979 and agreed that alarming trends for climate change made it urgently necessary to act. Since then, similar alarms have been made through the 1992 Rio Summit, the 1997 Kyoto Protocol and the 2015 Paris Agreement, as well as scores of other global assemblies and scientists' explicit warnings of insufficient progress. Yet greenhouse gas emissions are still rapidly rising, with increasingly damaging effects on the Earth's climate. An immense increase of scale and endeavours to conserve our biosphere is needed to avoid untold suffering due to the climate crisis. The warning goes on to say, Building on prior work, we present a suite of graphical vital signs of climate change over the last 40 years for human activities that can affect greenhouse gas emissions and change the climate, which is figure one, as well as actual climate impacts, figure two. We use only relevant data sets that are clear, understandable, systematically collected for at least five years and updated at least annually. So when we look at figure one, what we see there is 15 charts um, and they show things like the human population, which has gone up in a linear fashion from about 4.5 billion to around 7.5 billion over the last 40 years. Uh, we also see some other things such as air transport, which has gone from around about half a billion passengers carried per year up to 4 billion in a curve which is very much looking like an exponential. Um, and there's a bunch of other charts there to look at. Moving on to figure two, which is probably the most interesting from our perspective, we see first figure is carbon dioxide, which has um, which has moved up from 330 to 410 parts per million over the last 40 years. Methane has gone up terrifically. It flattened around about the year 2000, but it started to accelerate again. Nitrous oxide, which is one of the strongest greenhouse gases, um, has been going up in almost a, a slightly worse than linear fashion. We see further that the Greenland ice shelf has been melting and it's losing 2,610 gigatons per 10 years. It's slowing down very slightly according to this chart. However, the Antarctic ice mass is accelerating and currently losing 1,230 gigatons per 10 years. 
We also gl see glaciers on land um, decreasing in thickness exponentially. We see ocean heat increasing exponentially. One very interesting one he here is the extreme weather events, um, which they say are increasing by 43.8% per 10-year period. So that's absolutely dramatic. And then annual losses due to weather, climate or hydro effects up 83.7% per 10-year period. Uh, so that's in billions of dollars rising from in 1980, um, somewhere in the 10 to 20 billion, up to almost 200 billion. So roughly a tenfold increase over the last 40 years. So some pretty dramatic data there. In the concluding part of the report, they go on to say, we suggest six critical and interrelated steps in no particular order that governments, businesses and the rest of humanity can take to lessen the worst effects of climate change. These are important steps but are not the only actions needed or possible. So just quickly to summarise the steps they talk about here, the first step is energy. The world must quickly implement massive energy efficiency and conversion practices and must replace fossil fuels with low-carbon renewables. Second, short-lived pollutants. We need to promptly reduce the emissions of short-lived climate pollutants, including methane, black carbon and hydrofluorocarbons. Third, nature. We must protect and restore the Earth's ecosystems. Phytoplankton, coral reefs, forests, savannas, grasslands, wetlands, peatlands, soils, mangroves and seagrasses contribute greatly to sequestration of atmospheric CO2. Marine and terrestrial plants, animals and microorganisms play significant roles in carbon and nutrients cycling and storage. We need to quickly curtail habitat and biodiversity loss, protecting the remaining primary and intact forests. Next is food. Eating mostly plant-based foods while reducing the global consumption of animal products, especially ruminant livestock, can improve human health and significantly lower greenhouse gas emissions. Next is economy, excessive extraction of materials and over-exploitation of ecosystems driven by economic growth must be quickly curtailed to maintain long-term sustainability of the biosphere. We need a carbon-free economy that explicitly addresses human dependence on the biosphere and the policies that guide economic decisions accordingly. And finally, population, still increasing by roughly 80 million people per year, or more than 200,000 per day, the world population must be stabilised and ideally gradually reduced within a framework that ensures social integrity. Conclusions. Mitigating and adapting to climate change while honouring the diversity of humans entails major transformations in the ways our global society functions and interacts with natural ecosystems. We are encouraged by a recent surge of concern. Governmental bodies are making climate emergency declarations. School children are striking. Ecocide lawsuits proceeding in the courts. Grassroots citizen movements are demanding change. And many countries, states and provinces, cities and businesses are responding. As the Alliance of World Scientists, we stand ready to assist decision makers in a just transition to a sustainable and equitable future. We urge widespread use of vital signs, which will better allow policymakers, the private sector and the public to understand the magnitude of this crisis, track progress and realign priorities for alleviating climate change. The good news is that such transformative change, with social and economic justice for all, promises far greater human well-being than does business as usual. We believe that the prospects will be greatest if decision makers and all of humanity promptly responds to this warning and declaration of climate emergency 
and act to sustain life on planet Earth, our only home. In our last story this week, some new research covered in the New York Times concludes that rising seas could affect three times more people by 2050 than previously thought. The authors of the paper published last Tuesday developed a more accurate way of calculating land elevation based on satellite readings, which is a standard way of estimating the effects of sea level rise over large areas, and found that the previous numbers were far too optimistic. The new research shows that some 150 million people are now living on land that will be below the high tide line by the middle of the century. They then go on to show a number of projections in various places. The first one is Vietnam, and it concludes that southern Vietnam could all but disappear. The whole of the southern end of the country will be below the high tide mark. They move on to Thailand and Bangkok, where they conclude that more than 10% of citizens now live on land that is likely to be inundated by 2050, compared with just 1% according to the earlier technique that was used. Moving on to Shanghai, the new data shows that 110 million people already live in places that are below the high tide line. And in Mumbai, the new projections suggest that India's financial capital and one of the largest cities in the world is at risk of being wiped out. Built on what was once a series of islands, the city's historic downtown core is particularly vulnerable. That's all for this week. Please do star or follow the podcast and share with others. And I'll see you again next time with another episode of Climate Change Weekly. Climate Change Weekly.